0: This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome everybody here. Welcome everybody at home or wherever you are on your screens. We really are glad to have you with us. I'm sorry I can't see you, it's a pity, but it's lovely that you can see. Oh, only me, sorry. You can't see everybody else. I'm sorry about that. <clears throat> Thank you to the team who are facilitating this service this morning Mark, Ian, Sue, the greeters. Peter will be leading, uh, uh, we'll be preaching, and Sandra will be reading the lesson. So you've got quite a few of us working together. Peter's got one or two notices, I think. Yep, here he comes.
1: Indeed, thank you, Eleanor. Just three, in fact, three short notices. Uh, one prayer is here tonight in church, seven o'clock. So uh, do gather if you'd like to pray uh, between seven and eight. I think we normally finish. Uh, so that's tonight. Uh, we've got an all-age service at quarter to eleven this morning. The theme is sharing the love. So that's uh, all-age um, this morning. And uh, Alpha is going well. Alpha Online is going very well. Thank you uh, for holding us in your prayers. Uh, discussions are good. Uh, very, uh, the, Just the whole feel of the, <coughs> of the evening is, is good. So uh, please keep us in your prayers as we uh, continue to meet on a Tuesday night for Alpha.
0: We're going to start with a lovely hymn of praise. Alleluia, alleluia, give thanks to the risen Lord. You might think it's a bit oldy, but beware, I've got some even older ones coming up. So let's praise the Lord and sing alleluia, alleluia, give thanks to the risen Lord. Mm. you like to be seated this is the service of Holy Communion and the words will be on the screen and so together we're going to say this first prayer almighty God to whom all hearts are open all desires known and from whom no secrets are hidden cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ said the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. God so loved the world that he gave his only son Jesus Christ to save us from our sins to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. So let's confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all I found this particular confession and apparently it comes from Australia and I'd like you to have time to read it first before we say it together. Shall we say this together? You have given us a world of beauty and we have spoiled it. A world to feed us and so many go hungry. A world of riches and we are unwilling to share. A world to care for and we think only of ourselves. Forgive us gracious God for those times your heart is saddened by our selfishness, for those times we have no thought for others, no cares but ours, enable us to see this world anew as a gift from you to be shared and nurtured and those who live upon it to be loved and cared for. We ask this that your name may be glorified through the beauty of this world and the service of our lives. Amen. The Bible tells us clearly that if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and will cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Our hearts overflow with gratitude as we acknowledge the extent of your love for each one of us. Amen. Our next hymn is, as I warned, an even older one. And uh, it's got all the THs in it, you know, thousand and These and doths and Doeths. Think of the words. It's a prayer. It's a prayer to God. Master, speak, thy servant heareth. And this is a prayer before Sandra comes to read us the Bible reading, and Peter gives us God's message. So we are actually praying for them as we we sing. It's a prayer from our hearts that God will indeed speak to us through his word and through the message. Master, speak, thy servant heareth. Would you like to stand?
2: The reading this morning is Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 to 50. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net, that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth this is the word of the lord Amen.
1: Good morning again. As a church we've been considering haven't we what God might be saying to us at the moment and uh, we've been reflecting on um, some key themes that came through the prayer time last summer and if you recall we've looked at the theme of fixing our eyes on Jesus from Hebrews chapter 12 and then we looked at the theme of and I will be with you as from Jeremiah 29. And then finally, we looked at, for such a time as this, in the book of Esther. And then last week, Debbie followed that up with a, a wonderful talk as we looked at uh, some of the life of Leah and uh, in the book of Genesis, and, and Debbie spoke to us uh, about the God who sees. And uh, those talks, remember, come out of a strong sense Uh, That collectively we have of God saying three big things to us as a church at this time. So uh, just let me remind you of what those three things are. Firstly, we feel that God is encouraging us. Remember, uh, there's a strong sense that God isn't telling us off at all. He is encouraging us. He's saying, Well done. He's saying, Be encouraged that we are in Him and that in Him are all the resources we need. So be encouraged. God is with us. Secondly, we feel that God is reminding us of the importance of relationship. Relationship with him as God and also relationship with each other as church community. And thirdly, we feel that through those words and pictures and images that came through last summer and and the sort of sifting that we've had is, again, that absolute importance and priority of reaching out to those around us in the village and further fields, of course, with the love of Christ. So this month, February, we're going to concentrate on that one of building up our relationship with God. We're going to think about how we can uh, strengthen our relationship with God in establishing the kingdom of God here on earth. As we get to know God, we realize more and more, don't we, that his heart is that all may come into his kingdom. But what is the kingdom of God? How does Jesus describe it? So today, and the next three Sundays of this month, we're going to look at some of the parables of the kingdom as Matthew portrays them in his gospel. And we're going to consider just two this morning, and this is where uh, my reading and the reading that was read uh, differs slightly. I'm just going to include uh, the, the parable in verse 44, in, if you can read that as well. Uh, but we're going to look at two parables, the, the parable of the kingdom of heaven being like treasure in a field, and also the one following that, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for, for fine pearls. But Matthew 13, if you've got a Bible there, and uh, you can just sort of uh, look back through that chapter, you'll see that Matthew 13 is full of parables. Over and over again, Jesus is telling parables of the kingdom of God to those who are listening. And so right back at the beginning of chapter 13, we see what happens because Jesus uh, is surrounded by people and he, is in a, he goes into a boat And he, as it were, parks the boat a little way from the edge of the shore of the lake, Lake Galilee, of course, this is uh, where he is. And so he he sits in the boat and he begins to teach the crowds about the kingdom of God. And he uses all sorts of images to uh, to tell them about and try and explain to them about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God like? And so, uh, over and over again, there's a different way that he tries to portray uh, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. He says it's like a farmer sowing a crop. It's like a mustard seed. It's like yeast. It's like a net, and so on and so on. He he approaches uh, the kingdom of God from all sorts of angles. And yet we can still wonder, well, what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of heaven in the first place? And so we're going to look at a pair, just at two of the parables he tells in that chapter. And yet we need to then, before that, think about what is being compared to what the kingdom of heaven is like. Well, Scripture, particularly, of course, the Gospels, view the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God from different and yet complementary angles to give us a a bigger picture of a vast subject. The kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, is God's dominion over all the world. It is also God's loving rule as king, as acknowledged by his people. The kingdom of God's rule is in the present, but it's also in the future. It is also to come. The kingdom of God comes when God's will is obeyed by his people, by the church. And it also comes when God forcefully defeats those who are against his will or who reject his will. Now, as I said, we're going to just consider two very short parables this morning. And uh, the first one is in verse 44. And the next one is in verse 45 and 46. Let me reread those two parables to you. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man finds it, he hides it again or hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, says Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. So in these two parables, this is towards the end of the chapter, Jesus is now, in fact, just talking to his disciples. The crowds have been dismissed, and it's just his closer followers who are with him and listening to him. And in these two parables, this is, we're finding, Jesus is explaining, we're finding how we enter into a life that both, both submits to and enjoys the gracious rule of our God and King. I'll say that again because that's quite, quite something. So this, these, these are parables about how we find and enter a life that both submits to and enjoys the gracious rule of our King and God. So Jesus says the kingdom of God is like hidden treasure. The kingdom of God is like a merchant who is looking for fine pearls. So both parables are about finding hidden treasure. Back in the 1940s, uh, there was a Canadian geologist who, uh, uh, name of Dr. John Williamson. And Dr. Williamson was doing some work in Tanzania, called back then Tanganyika. And one day he found himself driving around a deserted area, slipping and sliding along a rain soaked road. And suddenly his vehicle got stuck in the mud. And so, pulling out his shovel, Dr. Williamson began the unpleasant task of digging digging out a mud hole, his, his, his truck had got stuck, so he was trying to dig his truck out. And he had been at it for a while when his shovel hit against something. And he thought, well, what's that? Something strange is getting in the way of my shovel. And so he, he went in, into the dirt, and he picked out a pink-like stone of some sort. And being a geologist and naturally curious about rocks and rock formations... He picked it, up, picked it up and then gently wiped away the stone that he had found, the rock. And the more the mud he removed, the more excited he became. And he could hardly believe what he saw, because he had found that diamond there on the left. He had found a diamond. Wow. Not just any old diamond, but a 23.6 carat Pink diamond. And so this is now known as the famous pink diamond of Tanzania, found by Dr. Williamson in 1947. And that diamond, as I said, is 23.6 carats. It is the finest pink diamond in existence that has been found. And Dr. Williamson decided to give that priceless diamond to Princess Elizabeth as a wedding present, because she was getting married to Prince Philip uh, back then in 1947. And so it was cut by Braeful and Lima, the company in London, in 1948 and set in the centre of a new brooch designed by Frederick Mew of Cartier in 1952. So the brooch is on there on the right, and the Queen has still got that brooch and she still wears it today. And so Dr. Williamson became imagine, you probably some of you have heard this before, I'm sure before, he became very, very famous around the world for finding that pink diamond accidental as it may have been. While I talk about the Queen, of course we remember it, it's today her 70th anniversary of her accession to the throne and we give thanks to God for 70 years of her reign. And so in these two short parables of Jesus today, we hear about the joy of finding the priceless treasure of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And so the first little parable is about a man who finds this treasure in a field, a bit like Dr. Williamson. He finds it, he then hides it, and then he goes back to buy the field so that he can claim that buried treasure. Now, Whether you bury your treasure in the ground, I don't know. But that was uh, very common practice back then in the first century AD. Uh, I'd imagine uh, you would put your money, your savings in a a bank or a building society or an investment fund. Or you might keep your uh, jewellery, I don't know, in in a safety deposit box or a safe or something like that. But of course in those days, banks were very uncommon. There were banks but only for those who are very, very wealthy. And so ordinary people had to think, well, where am I going to put my, uh, my valuables? Where am I going to keep them safe? Also remember, of course, that that part of the world was very, very fought over. It was a, a conflict-ridden land, so it's a dangerous place. So they had to think really carefully, where are they going to hide their treasure, their valuables? So they did, in, like sort of stuffing your, you know, your, your valuables under your mattress, they buried it in the ground. That's what they did. Now you also may have noticed that there may be something unethical going on here. Something a little bit uh, that's, you know, he's a bit devious in a way. Because he, he finds a treasure, he then hides it again, and then he goes back to buy the field. But he doesn't tell the man who owns the field why he is wanting to buy the field. So in a way, he's being a little bit dishonest, you might think. Well, actually, no. Because in in Jewish rabbinic law, it says this: if a man finds scattered fruit or money, it belongs to the finder. So rabbinic law, Jewish law, Hebrew law says actually what he's done is okay. It's fine, because he has found what belongs to him, essentially, because he's found it, finders keepers. So the, the people listening wouldn't have thought, well, this is a bit, a bit odd, a bit dishonest. They said, no, that's actually, that's fine, that's okay, this is ethical. He had the right to that treasure. So if a man or a woman came across uh, money or valuables that obviously lost, and whose owner was dead or unknown, the finder had the right to keep what they had found. Even if it's found on somebody else's land or somebody else's property. So that's the first parable. The second parable involves, again, it's a very simple parable, it involves a merchant who is looking for fine pearls. So here we have a merchant, a trader, Uh, The Greek word for merchant is emporos, which is where we get the English word emporium. And so this merchant is looking for uh, things wholesale, that he could buy wholesale, and then he wants to sell them on to a retailer. And so in this particular case, he is looking for beautiful and fine pearls. And that was a common thing to do in those days. Entrepreneurs would go to markets, they would go to uh, places where things were being sold, and they would search high and low to try and find what they were looking for. Uh, And pearls, of course, uh, were of of high value in those days. High-quality pearls were eagerly sought after. People would invest in pearls. Uh, They, in fact, were invested in the first century in much the same way as we would invest in diamonds in our day. So they were the most valuable gem in the world at that time. So if you owned a, if you owned a pearl, you had a fortune. Good reason for it. Think about how you find a pearl. Where are pearls found? Pearls are found uh, in the sea, uh, in, in an oyster. So in fact, in those days, to find a pearl was a, a difficult and dangerous thing to do. Because uh, an oyster thrives, uh, apparently, at an average depth of 40 feet. And so, f- a pine- a finding a pearl is a dangerous thing to do. You don't just stumble across it on a beach. It's a dangerous thing to do. So, in whatever way you look at it, this man, whether he found it in a market, or whether he found it by uh, finding it to diving, whatever it was, it was a- an immensely valuable thing to find, so these are both about finding great treasure. But Jesus is relating it specifically to the kingdom of God. Notice also, Jesus doesn't explain what he means. He just leaves it. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field. When a man, when a man finds it, he hides it. Then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought the field. He doesn't explain what he means. He leaves it for those who are listening to kind of, hmm, what is, he, what is he talking about? He wants them to, as it were, chew on it and digest it for themselves. So as we hear these parables and, and we, as it were, chew on them and digest them, we then are also invited to inquire, what does Jesus mean by saying this about the kingdom of God. And Jesus is talking here about the joy and the sacrifice of being in God's kingdom. Joy and sacrifice. So briefly, there's two things that stand out in these parables. Firstly, what you need to give up. And secondly, what you stand to gain. So, this morning, for you and I to know the joy of being, God's, of being in God's kingdom, Jesus is very clear. Jesus says, You and I must give up everything. What do the parables say? The man in the first parable sold all he had and went and bought that field. The trader in the second parable, what does he do? He finds that fine pearl. He sells everything he has to buy that pearl of great price. In other words, both of these people are making sacrifices to find that treasure. Jesus never pulls his punches, does he, in his teaching? Jesus is challenging again and again and again to those who are listening to him. In Luke Chapter 9 He says this If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, the world around us says that is silly. The world around us says, that is foolish. People around us, the world around us, will say to us, you take what you can, you get what you can, and you enjoy it while you can. But I can promise you that if you make the sacrifice, you'll gain something far greater in return than you can ever imagine. So Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. He says, We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The kingdom of God is like hidden treasure. The kingdom of God is like a precious pearl. Yes, there is sacrifice in belonging to the kingdom of God. Of course there is. But it is sacrifice for a great and eternal reward. Beyond the self-denial, beyond the discipline, beyond the cross that Jesus says we are to carry daily, lies the most precious thing, a thing of supreme and unsurpassed beauty. Life in the kingdom of God, under God, for God, with God. In Hebrews 11, which we uh, looked at a little bit uh, recently, Hebrews 11, there's that list, isn't there, that litany of the great men and women of the Bible who searched for the pearl of great price. Those men and women, they were looking for something of greater value than most people of their time. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Lived as strangers in a country far from their homeland. Lived in tents because they were looking for a kingdom. Hebrews 11 verse 10 says, They were looking for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Those men and women in that chapter were willing to sacrifice to achieve their goal. That aim of being in God's kingdom. Like those ancient pearl divers, they were willing to risk even their very lives. They were stoned, Hebrews says. They were sawn in two. They were slain with a sword. But remember what I said those few weeks ago. Yes, the saints described in Hebrews chapter 11 are there for our inspiration. And the saints who have gone before us, who have died, show us that it's possible to run the race. And to finish the course. But none match Jesus. None of them. Jesus is the one who is both man and God. Jesus is the one who is our devoted servant. Jesus is the one who stands at the right hand of the majesty of God, who intercedes for us on our behalf. He is the one who is enthroned in heaven as Lord. That is why we need to keep our eyes fixed on him. He is our author and perfecter of our faith. So, what about us? What about you? What about me? Jesus, in saying his parables, is asking us to consider the big question Are you willing to live a life of faith? He's asking the question Are you, am I willing to be part of his kingdom, whatever the cost? He's asking the question, are we willing to keep our eyes fixed on him? Because it involves sacrifice. It involves everything we've got, it involves everything we have. But when you find that treasure, accidental or otherwise, and you say yes to him as king, it is a sacrifice made with great joy. Let's pray. Lord, you ask us to each day take up our cross and follow you. You ask us each day to sacrifice what we want for all that you call us into, to live in your kingdom. And yet, Lord, we know that life in your kingdom is, surpasses everything else that we know or everything that we have. Lord, encourage us. Encourage us by your Holy Spirit to live our lives in your kingdom for your glory. To invite others into life in your kingdom so that they can see you for who you truly are and who each of us, us, each of us, are in you too. Lord, we thank you for giving us your word. May we read it, and may it read us each day. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: I don't know how we've each heard God's voice, but we have a moment of commitment using a well-known hymn, but we're going to close our eyes and I'm going to say the words, some of the words, you'll recognize it. And if you feel you can say this commitment, there'll be amen at the end. God, take my life. Take every moment. Take my hands, my voice, my money, my gifts and skills. Even take my will, my heart. And my love, Lord, if I have any misgivings about this commitment, please remove them and a- enable me to mean every word. Amen. If you're able, please stand. We're going to say the creed. We're going to declare this great God we believe in and what we believe. So stand if you can, please. Do we believe and trust in God the Father? I believe in God the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Do we believe and trust? in his Son, Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do we believe and trust in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Would you like to be seated? We turn to our intercessions. I read this book a few weeks ago. It's called The Optician of Lampedusa. I don't know if anybody else has read it. It's about an event that happened on Lampedusa, the island near Italy, where many refugees in small boats are seeking refuge. It's harrowing. And God spoke to me powerfully and drew my attention to situations I've seen on the news, but then they hit my heart. I hope you'll agree with what we're going to do. The intercessions I've put together are very specific. And I found some pictures for us to focus on. The people we'll see are as close to God's heart as we are feeling now. Jesus died for each one, and his kingdom extends to each and every one of these people. In the silences, after I've said a short prayer, please talk to God in your heart about anything that the image brings up. Father God, we confess that we can easily and unconsciously forget that you died for people who speak differently, dress differently, and worship differently from us, and for those who worship other gods. Please widen our horizons and give us more of your compassion for those who are in dire circumstances. Father God, whose mercy has no boundaries, We intercede for people who have chosen to put themselves into the hands of unscrupulous people traffickers. We pray for their safety and their peace of mind, for the peace of mind for those back home who are worried about them, and we bring to you those who are organizing this evil trafficking. Our human hearts cry out to you, for the whole situation to end somehow. Father God, we ask you to grant wisdom and compassion to all involved in helping. For the policy makers, the patrol and rescue missions, the reception centres, the police and immigration officers, may your gracious help protect them from compassion fatigue and from giving way to frustration. Father God, we ask your blessing on those countries that host most refugees. Help all who send practical help and aid. We ask also for our own country, that those who are antagonistic towards refugees may be changed by knowing your love. May all Christians involved in inner city work with refugees be empowered to share your love with everyone. In any circumstance, Father God, finally ret- we return to ourselves. We thank you for our Christian heritage. And we bring to you the current legal and social changes which are conflicting with the loving way of life you want for us all. Give us open hearts to accept and care for all people and give us the strength of your Holy Spirit to stand up for you when challenged. Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. We are meeting in the name of Christ. And we share his peace. So the peace of the Lord be always with you. Shall we share the peace as we've learned to do? with one another.
1: Almighty God, good Father to us all, your face is turned towards your world. In love you gave us, Jesus, your Son, to rescue us from sin and death. Your word goes out to call us home to the city where angels sing your praise. We join with them in heaven's song. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Father of all, we give you thanks for every gift that comes from heaven. To the darkness, Jesus came as your light. With signs of faith and words of hope, he touched untouchables with love and washed the guilty clean. This is his story. This is our song. Hosanna in the highest. The crowds came out to see your Son, yet at the end they turned on him. On the night he was betrayed, he came to table with his friends to celebrate the freedom of your people. This is his story. This is our song. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus blessed you, Father, for the food. He took the bread, gave you thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus then gave thanks for the wine. He took the cup, blessed it, gave it to them and said, This is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is our story. This is our song. Hosanna in the highest. Therefore, Father, with this bread and this cup, we celebrate the cross on which he died to set us free. Defying death, he rose again and is alive with you to plead for us and for all the world. This is our story. This is our song. Hosanna in the highest. Send your Holy Spirit on us now that by these gifts we may feed on Christ with opened eyes and hearts on fire. May we and all who share this food offer ourselves to live for you and be welcomed at your feast in heaven, where all creation worships you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour has taught us, so we pray. And feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Body of Christ, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Blood of Christ, keep you in eternal life. Amen. And we'll say together this prayer
0: our final hymn is a hymn of praise <clears throat> praise him praise him jesus our blessed redeemer another old one but the words are fantastic so let's just praise god before we get before we leave thank you <coughs> Blessing from the Iona community. May we live a rich life full of passion, purpose, joy, mystery, wonder, and love. May we live a rich life full of these things because we only have one life. One life on this beautiful, precious planet full of beautiful, precious people. May God's love keep us committed and faithful to him, to our community, and to everyone we meet in daily life. Amen. So let's go in peace, to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, amen.